Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Um, we've got an exciting time here. I'm going to get uh, a couple things I want to talk about, but I've got a couple wonderful testimonies. I can't wait for you all um, to hear this morning. Um, but if you've been with us, you know that we are in and have been in the book of Ephesians. We're going to look at again this morning, verses 11 through 14, if you have your Bibles, in chapter 1. Um, and as Dan already said, yes, we're going to be in this book for a while. Um, I hope to finish in the spring, but if not, we'll carry right on through the summer because we're going to, uh, Lord willing, suck this dry of all the richness um, in this book. It is good for us to um, have the discipline of taking one book. And as we encourage everyone, it's six chapters long. Just read this. Just ask the Lord to give you the fullness of uh, this message uh, in this book. And, um, and journey with us, obviously, on Sundays as we're going through all this. So this morning, we're going to, I'm going to drill into one thing. We looked at these verses last week, but we're going to drill into one thing this morning. And it's this issue is, what is the sealing of the Holy Spirit? What is the sealing of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to tell you right up front, this is going to be challenging for you. And like every Sunday, we all should be challenging for all of us, Right. Um, this is very, very important, and I want to throw some things out. I hope that we all uh, can just hear from the Lord on this, and we're going to take a little deep dive, and then we're going to hear some great um, testimony. So with that said, let me just read for us the Word of God, verses 11 through 14, chapter 1 of Ephesians. Paul says this, and he begins here by talking the we is, is, is the Jewish people, and then he shifts to those of us that have been grafted in, right? The believers. In verse 11, Paul says this, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you, church, also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, Jesus, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Father, thank you for your word, Lord. Pray that you would just spark in us a thirst, a hunger, Lord, to hear you. And Father, I just pray blessing over everyone here, Lord. It's one thing to learn about your word. It's one thing to go to church and, and, and studies and, and know about your word. It's a whole other thing, God, to know you and to learn how to hear your voice. And Father, I pray that you will just move, Holy Spirit, in this time this morning, encourage us all. Uh, Lord, on this journey, are we hearing your voice? Are we hearing what the Spirit has to say to his church? Lord, bless us this morning. Come and meet us at where we're at, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, here we go. Our testimony of what Jesus has done for us should be an exclamation point, not a question. Now, I want this little visual to just ring out this morning. Our testimony of Jesus, if we know him, if we have experienced what I just read, 
And if I say I'm a follower of Jesus, then yes, I, that means I believe the word. I put my faith in Jesus, right? Uh, the hope of my salvation and the spirit of God has sealed me as a child of God. And I am sure of the glorious inheritance that I have, right? And so our testimony of what Jesus has done for us, it should be an exclamation point, not a question mark. Our lives should be an exclamation point, not a question mark. And that would be this challenge, right, for us, this joy of the Lord of what he's done for us. And this is what Paul is writing about in here is, boy, it is the joy of the Lord. It is, there, there might be all kinds of whatever going on in life, but when it comes to realizing and always coming back to the gospel, always coming back to this is what my Lord has done for me, that needs to be an exclamation point. Boom, let me tell you what he's done for me. If I drift from understanding what he's done for me, the gospel in my life, the identity I am, a new creation in him, and my security is in him, what the gospel says, and this idea that we're going to look at of authentication of, of the sealing of the spirit in my life, if I drift, if those things are not sure and growing in my life, slowly what happens is the joy of the Lord gets turned into a question mark. It's not an exclamation point. Does this make sense? Do you see what I'm saying about exclamation difference between the two? And folks, we all know what it's like because we've, we've all been there one time now. We've drifted. And when I drift, guess what happens in life? The big questions of who I am, am I loved, am I affirmed, am I secure? They start, they start this wonderful assurance of boom, bold exclamation point of, let me tell you what Jesus has done. I'm sure of what he's done. And I'm sure of the hope that's coming. It drifts slowly. It turns into a question mark in my life. I become unsure of my calling. I become unsure of his love and affection. I become unsure of my calling in life and these other things. If I don't shore up constantly this foundation in my life of what Paul is talking about, of, of being sure of what my God has done for me. All right? So what I want to do this morning is drill in on this, this idea of being sealed in the spirit. Now, this is going to challenge, I think, a lot of our church upbringing and understanding of what this means. Because I'm willing to bet for most of us, we grew up and uh, we just kind of passed over this. And we just threw this into the category of I'm saved. I said the prayer and the spirit's inside of me. And, um, and that's all true. But there's more. Right? There's a lot more. And um, so I want to drill in, I'm going to step back here and look at some verses and you can take these and go even further um, on what is the ceiling? What is Paul talking about here? And if you go to the book of Acts, which we don't have time to, but go look in the book of Acts and we're going to come to this in just a minute of the, my, the kind of some practical. Now, what do I do? There should be three things. We see them happen in the gospels and we see them happen um, in the, well, towards the end of the gospels, but especially in the book of Acts, three things should happen at our salvation. One is what we just read. I should believe. I should come under the conviction of, of who Jesus is. And there should be this repentance of turning away, of trying to live my life my own way or believe certain lies, turning to God, 
uh, and giving my life to him. And that can happen in a, many different ways. It can happen alone, just crying out to God. It can happen having somebody pray with you. It can happen at a church service, you know, the old days of walking the aisle and saying a prayer. Um, all different ways of, it can happen in a, in a confirmation class of saying, yes, I believe this, right? I believe Jesus is who he says he is, confessing his name as Lord and Savior. The other thing that should happen, once that happens, what we see is immediately the first step of obedience is baptism. The first thing the Lord asks us to do is follow in his footsteps. And because of what he's done inside me, though, in saving me, the Holy Spirit coming and making me alive to who he is and professing his name is now the God asked me to step out in this. And many in the early church equated the sealing of the spirit with water baptism. I think it's part of it. I don't think it's exactly it. And we'll get into this. Um, but this was always the first step. And it was usually immediately is I'd go into the waters of baptism because I would now give a public profession because remember, God calls us to be his witness. He calls us to be an exclamation point of telling people about what Jesus has done for me. And that begins my first testimony. Actually, right, oftentimes public ones should be before my family, my church family, and staying to giving him praise. Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. And this idea of going under the water and coming out of the water is out of obedience to do exactly what Jesus did. And it's a picture, right, of multiple things. It's one of the most beautiful celebrations that the church uh, has and celebrates. It's the going down, the cleansing, the washing, coming out a new creation, something new, um, right, that God has um, brought us. We've been united with Christ in his death, his burial, and now we're raised to walk in the newness of life. And this is where we give everyone, we give our first testimony to our family and to the church and whoever else is there, whether it's at the river or at the church, of this is what God's, and this is the testimony that should fuel the fire, right, of God actively working and saving people through the relational ministry context of a local church. Now, those are two, right, belief and baptism, and there should not be this big distance between those two, right? We never see that in the scripture. You never have anywhere in the Bible an unbaptized believer, never, right? It's not there. And um, the next piece that we come and we see, not only here, but also in the book of Acts, is this idea of, of the anointing and what I'm going to say is the sealing of the Spirit. It is the authentication. It is now, which we're going to see Jesus, it is now this being prayed for and receiving, right, the fullness, the sealing mark of the spirit of God inside us. Now, don't misunderstand me. The only way anybody can come to faith is that the spirit of God has awakened them and is inside them. No one can profess Christ without the Holy Spirit, right? But that's the hidden illuminating work of the spirit. That's, that's hidden. It, it is something that we can't explain. Anybody who's been drawn unto the Lord knows like for some reason I'm drawing into God. I'm drawing into his word. I'm drawing into his promises and leads us to a place of repentance and receiving Jesus, Right? That's the illuminating word. The sealing of the Spirit right, is something much bigger, something much, much different as we see in the book of Acts. Right? We see it at the book of Pentecost. Right? Jesus said, and we'll end with this passage, but, or it was Peter, right? repent and be baptized and you will receive the promise of the Father. And uh, all through the, the, the New Testament, we see this promise of the Father is the giving forth right, of the Holy Spirit. 
And so let me just walk us through this so we can think about this, all right? Those three things, I just throw this out to you, should all happen ideally together, and this is where we need to move as a church. If they haven't, just fine, as we see in the book of Acts, it was spread out, right? And But the early church made sure that, hey, have I walked through each of these these three things, because they are key and critical into the advancement, right, of, of our faith. Um, obviously, belief is, is critical. Um, we know that none of that is necessary. That Look at the thief on the cross, right, is what happened with the thief. Um, he, well, he didn't have a chance to be baptized, obviously, right? It was belief. So baptism doesn't save us, and this experience of the seeing the Spirit doesn't save us. The inner working in my simple crying out to God to save me saves me, like the thief on the cross, right? But there's more to my salvation. There's more that God wants to right, pour out and understand in these things. So I just say right up front is, man, be thinking, how is your experience in those three things? Did all that happen together? And what does that look like? And of course, the third one is we're going to drill into now. What does it mean to be sealed right, by the Spirit of God? And so let's dive in. Um, Paul, uh, all the way to the book of John, if you have your Bible, if you want to follow along, turn back, I should say, to chapter 6. And this is Jesus' teaching, um, the bread of life. So he fed the 5,000, and they started trying to find him, right? And they come to him, and this is chapter, chapter 6, verse 26. And Jesus answered, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. This is important. Pretty bold, right? You're not seeking me, but you, you, because you saw signs and you want more, you're thirsty for spiritual things. You're just seeking me because you want a handout. You want something basically selfish, right? Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Now, what is that food he's talking about? It's it's the food that comes forth from the inside, the Spirit of God that wells this up, right? For on him, oh, and let me step back, verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Now, what is Jesus talking about here? Why did he say to them to, that you don't need a sign you should know that, that you're looking for a sign. You, you should know, right, um, the Father has set me apart. He's put a seal upon me. And if we go back to um, uh, John uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 33, it says, This is he who baptized. John the Baptist is saying about Jesus, This is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, and I've seen and I've borne witness that this is the Son of God. Um, and later on, it talks about that the Spirit rests. John the Baptist said the Spirit has rest upon um, Jesus because we'll come to his baptism in just a minute. But I just want to point out some other things in chapter 4 of John um, <clears throat> that Jesus uh, says this wonderful thing when the... Um, Disciples are uh, trying to get him to eat something. He says, I, Jesus says in verse 32 of chapter 4, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. 
Now, why I give you that verse in, tied to this chapter 6 of John uh, about the feeding the 5,000, Jesus is saying, look, you're just, you're just coming after me because you need some physical food. Um, but who's hungry? Who's thirsty? Who wants spiritual food? And when Jesus says, I have food that you don't even know about, there is this internal, this communion, this intimacy, this longing for God, for the Spirit of God, for union with God, relationship with God, um, that comes by, right, the Holy Spirit. Now, back to Ephesians chapter 1, it talked two times. Uh, Paul says, we've, we, um, we've been saved and we have an inheritance. He's given us an inheritance. And there's two ways to look at an inheritance. And it says that the Holy Spirit, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of that inheritance. Now, there's two ways to look at that, right? I can say my inheritance, I can keep it in the bank. I can do nothing with it until it's time and I can just sit on it. And tie that to Matthew 25, the parable of the uh, talents, remember? And the parable of the talents, folks, by the way, that talent that was given specifically, that's a kingdom parable. It's speaking about the kingdom blessings of the spirit of God in your life, right? And the blessings and spiritual blessings. And what are you going to do with it? And we know the third one took it and he just buried it. And so this inheritance is not just something I'm looking forward to take hold of in heaven. This spirit of God is set inside of me to to be um, nurtured, to take hold of now, right? All right. So, um, and I know I'm going through all this. Just write these verses down. Pray you'll dive into them on your own. Let's step back to Luke. Um, uh, Luke, where do I want to go? 3.16. Now, everybody knows John 3.16, right? What I want to add into it, uh, to the, uh, the billboard is Luke 3.16. And this is what Luke 3.16 says. John the Baptist again answers them all saying, I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not um, worthy to untie. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, what does that mean? Right? We are not talking about some hidden work in a person's life. And this should be evident with the rest of Scripture. Acts would go time after time, right? Now, we always look to our Lord, right, in this sense of we fall in his footsteps. What happened to Jesus? And when Jesus, we just read in chapter 6 of John, Jesus said, you have a son. The Father has sealed me. And what's he referring to? And this goes now into um, chapter 3 of Luke, verse 21. Now, when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were open and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son who I am well pleased. Boom. Sealed and authenticated as God's chosen son. Um. So here, here's the deal in the ceiling is you can go and you can look up this word in the Greek and do all kinds of studies. It means ownership. You know, it's the sign back to the kind of the, uh, uh, they didn't use wax. It was more clay back then, but they put a signet on it and it sealed a letter or a, a, a document of some kind. And it means ownership. This is mine, right? It also means security that this is sealed and secure, 
right? And that's all true. So in the spiritual realm, right, that speaks of everything we saw earlier in Ephesians 1 about God has chosen you. He's made you a child of God, right? Is There's a sense of God owns you. He's bought you at the price, the precious blood of Christ. There's a security, right? John chapter 10, no one was able to snatch you out of the Father's hand, right? There is, yes, all of that is a part of this idea. He has sealed you, but there's another one. And this is what Jesus modeled. It's authenticated. The Spirit of God and the Father authenticated to Jesus of who he was. Now, what happened? Why was this such an important thing? He's the Son of God. Why did Jesus need to hear the Father say, You are my Son, who I am well pleased. Why did Jesus need the Holy Spirit to descend and John says, Remain on him? Because he was fully God and he was fully man. In his man, he lived a life of, as a perfect man, empowered by the Holy Spirit to show us how we could live, what we were saved into, the inheritance that we have, right? And this is really important. So the authentication piece of this, what changed? As far as we know, except obviously the virgin birth, but at this point, Jesus is about 30 years old, and we know very little besides when he was 12 years old. So for the most part, Jesus' life up to 30 years old was somewhat of a question mark. Who is this guy? After his authentication, after his baptism, the rest of Jesus immediately, the Spirit took him to the desert, immediately he started walking in his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see no miracles before this time. You see no power. You you see no clarity of his purpose in detail to us. Still a question mark. We see some things, obviously, when he was in the temple at 12. But his life became an exclamation mark. And so what I propose, folks, for us to think about, Has the Spirit of God authenticated you? And this is not, now some denominations will say it's a certain spiritual gift that you get or, and and sure, those are wonderful experiences. But here's the deal, is if, and this goes, let me step back to this statement. Um, Nope, one more, sorry. If we're not sure of our sealing by the Spirit, our gospel witness will start to fade from an exclamation point to a question mark. What we see in the scriptures, anytime someone experienced the spirit of God to authenticate, and it could be innumerable ways, right? Could just be a feeling, just knowing the spirit is on me. It brings a boldness. We see in the early church, a boldness, a fresh joy, right? In somebody's life, it brings power. It brings a whole new perspective. It brings an exclamation point of, let me tell you about Jesus versus, uh, I'm just, I'm a little scared to talk about my faith. And it is all through the scriptures. And so what I'm advocating and encouraging us is, man, those three things, let's get back to the basics, back to the foundation. Are you sure if there's no one who can say, oh, I've been a Christian all my life? No, that's impossible. We're born in this word lost, as Ephesians tells us. We need a radical encounter with God. We need to repent and we need to turn to him and know at some point where I confess his name, right? I need to confess. And uh, yes, that's fine to do that in secret and everything before the Lord. Great. But the next step is, is that we're called, as Peter says, to, to give... Um, uh, come and make a public profession of that in water baptism and to give him right um, praise and glory and if you're here and you were you know baptized when you're a child or you were sprinkled or whatever it is is man would love to talk to you about that 
I just ask you to look at the scripture and I'd ask you to say, do you want to follow in the footsteps of your savior, Jesus? What did he do? He went all the way under. He did it as a man. He did it so he could profess, right? And give us, right? The way of righteousness to walk in, right? And so this is what Peter says at Pentecost. Everybody's like, Lord, you know, they asked Peter, what must we do to, to be saved? And he said, simply this, repent. In other words, believe, confess him. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the next verse goes on to talk about the promise of the Father. And so how does that look? Um, so I just want to get into each of our stories a little bit. Is, is I'm going to just step out and generalize. I think for a lot of us, we, we, were, uh, we made a profession whenever it was along the way. And, and maybe some of us were water baptized. Uh, maybe some were sprinkled, uh, christened, whatever it is. Is that, um, remember, the role of baptism is my faith. I am here being baptized telling you that what Jesus has done for me. And I want to unite with him in that first step, right? In that key step, right, of obedience. And I'm just going to be very bold with you. In all of my ministry, I don't know of anybody who has not stepped through these three things that it has not adversely affected their growth and their zeal in the faith. I know no exception to it because I know of no exception in the scripture other to that, right? So I bet that that's where it stopped. Even in my own early ministry, we were baptized. It was glorious and it was wonderful. But what we see in the scriptures, there should be that third element right there. All right, the praying. Uh, ideally, we see in the book of Acts, the laying on of hands. And immediately at that point, according to the sin, according to what we see happen to Jesus, is like, now, Father, thank you for this child that's given you testimony of who they are before you. We ask you to open up heaven and we ask you to come and confirm right now, like only you can do, seal this person, bring upon them your Holy Spirit in power, overwhelm them, God, and leave it to God for what happens. But what that does is it sets a person out of the waters now with what? A pursuit of more, right? Of more. And the problem is when we read things like this, the seeing the Spirit, let me just give you a little insight in the scripture. One of the great problems in much of Christendom is, is that we interpret the scripture according to my experience or my church's experience. Does that make sense? Don't let my experience determine this. And I promise you multiple uh, denominations and teachings have taught you, right, uh, something that is a weak conversion. Never, ever lower your standard just because you're not experiencing something. Just because your church is not experiencing something is it doesn't mean we have ever the right to lower what the scripture expects of us. If we stay on this, Lord, this is what you say. This is what's happening. I'm going to stand on this. I expect you to do this. I promise you God intervenes in a church life if that's the case. Does that make sense? We can't waffle on this thing, right? And so now, um, with this, those three things, belief, baptism, spirit, baptism, I just ask um, you to, to think. You say, oh, practically, what do I do with that? I ask you to seek the Lord this morning. When was it you believed to firm up your testimony? Because I'm telling you, God will meet you if I'm struggling, right, in, in any area. I got to always come back to the foundation of, am I his? Am I his child? And um, so I start there with belief. What is that? And then bring somebody else to get involved. Baptism, have you been, um, uh, b- had that chance to testify 
it will unleash the blessings of God upon your life, right? Uh, before your church family. And the third thing, have you had people just pray over you for the outpouring of the spirit of God? Again, we're not talking about one specific gift. We're not talking about it's whatever God wants to do. Right? And that should launch this ongoing, what is Luke eleven thirteen? right? If, our, if we're evil and we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does your heavenly father want to pour out into your life the Holy Spirit? It's an endless well. It's an inheritance you have now, but you got to go after it. I've got to go after it. I have to seek the spirit of God in my life. And if I don't, that inheritance is going to sit there. I'll never grow in it. It'll sit there just like bearing it in the ground, right? And without the assurance of these three things in my life, you know what? I, I just, I never get off. I might, man, I might be at church every Sunday, but I never get the fire of God. Does that make sense? And here's the deal. If I, if I am not going after this, this stuff and I can't give this uh, assurance, man, you know what happens is, is that, that exclamation mark, it fades to a question. And I start questioning all kinds of things. And so I just ask us, go back to the basics. Let's, re- let's, let's rejoice in the basics. And if I have to do some house cleaning and some rearranging and some, some renewing of all that, let's do it. We were in Israel and we had a chance to be baptized in the, in the uh, re-baptized. It, was, it wasn't re-baptized, but it was just like, I'm all in. I'm diving in. I want all you got from me, God. And this idea that, that oh, I have, a, I have everything I need or whatever is, it has stunned more people's growth and the blessings of God than anything else. The Spirit of God is the third person of the Trinity, folks. People say, oh, we're talking about the Spirit of God. We are not talking about Him enough. We're in the age of the Gentiles. We're in the age of the Spirit. The Jesus is ascended. He says, much better that I go because I can send the Spirit of God and be a, among all of you. The early church was about the Holy Spirit primarily. And evidence of the Spirit's power working among God's people. We've got to wake up to this. And we want to journey in this, in this process. And so, man, please, if you have questions on this spiritual, if they're, you're right, if they're theological, man, we have to wrestle this out. Again, I give you the scripture. Don't take my word for it. You look in the book of Acts. You look in the Gospels. Right? You look at these things. And, uh, and let's talk about them. And we're going to have a, a great baptism. We have a whole lineup of people who are ready to take the deep dive. And we're going to do it right in here. We've got uh, uh, a fun... Uh, um, anyway, you'll see. And uh, so I just ask you, if this is something you want to do, be a part of this, let us know. It's going to be awesome. And uh, something we hope to... Again, we've been repenting. Lord, we need to make this easier, more accessible for people where the whole church can be a part of that great and glorious celebration, right? So with that said... I just saw Lois walk out. Did we scare her away? I wonder. So she was going to give her testimony. <laughs> She's getting ready. But um, I don't know if Lawrence, I have, we have two testimonies. I just, oh, Lauren, come on up here. We'll just, uh, we'll go and uh, we'll see when the, Lauren, but this is, come on, sit up here. Give a hand to uh, Lauren Emery. She's one of our interns. And, um, I've heard her testimony. We were actually on a podcast. The first time I heard at least that part of it was last week or whenever it was we did that podcast. But um, I thought, man, you need to share that with the whole church. And it just fits in beautifully to what we have here. So take it away. 
Yeah, so like he said, my name is Lauren, um, and I was born in Joan- well, I was born in St. Louis and then moved to Jonesboro, Arkansas, um, which is what's considered in the middle of the Bible Belt of the South, or it's the Bible Belt in the South, which means a lot of people have grow up knowing the name of Jesus, but don't necessarily know what relationship with him is or like life in the spirit with him is. Um, so I was born in a Christian home and ended up going to a Christian school. Um, and so I accepted Jesus when I was eight years old at summer camp. And all I remember from that is I also have a twin sister named Danny. And she's the one who actually brought me to the altar. And she said, you're accepting Jesus right now because I'm going to heaven and right now you're not. And so I was scared of going to hell. And so I uh, said the prayer, got baptized, started following uh, the ways of Jesus and was super religious about it. And I started taking a ton of pride in being um, the good Christian kid that you would expect and finding a lot of pride in doing the right thing and being the right person and um, on the outside looked like I had my whole life together. Um, but if you lifted up the curtain, you would see that I was super depressed and suicidal and struggling with lust and like was so broken and so dead on the inside, um, that I started to like hate the church and hate religion because I started having these feelings that like, God, like you're not real. Like you don't care about me. Um, so I was struggling with all of that through high school and was just like on times where I'd feel super high with Jesus and then super low. And then what, perform and do something really good for like the church and feel like I was on the top of the world, but then go home and struggle with all this sin. Um, my senior year of high school, like I was joking with Pastor Steve about this, but I even won like the most Christian character award of the high school. So like, if you, like I was like checking those boxes as religiously as I could and going into towards the end of my senior year, before I left for college, I started feeling super suicidal and super like just not wanting to be alive anymore because uh, the works of religion will like lead to death. And I uh, was sitting in my car just, you know, crying out. And I heard this gentle whisper just come into my car. And it was like, Lauren, I'm coming for you. Like, I'm going to show up. Just hold on. So I ended up being like, okay, drove home. Uh, went to our college orientation at line camp. And I met this girl who was my line camp leader. And she was authentically the most joyful person I've ever met. <laughs> which is a work, which is a sign of the Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. so I was like kind of captivated. Like I was like, who is this girl and what does she have that I've never seen before? And so I was like, okay. And at the end of that week, I then met the most peaceful person I've ever met. And she was just walking in the peace of God and was so kind and so gentle that I was like, okay. So when I got to college, I was like, where do these people go to church? Like, I was like, I want to know what they have that I have clearly been missing my entire life. Um, So I get involved with this group that are just, the only way I can describe them is that they are saturated in the presence of God and by the Holy Spirit. Um, And through them, I started experiencing the love and kindness of Jesus. Um, And an attribute of the Holy Spirit that I was talking about on the podcast is that he's sometimes referred to as the oil, the oil of God. And through that semester, I learned that the oil of God breaks all chains of religion off your life um, because there's just an authentication of knowing who he is and seeing what he does. And so as I started walking um, with these people, I came to, like, the end of myself one day, and I was like, God, like, I want to know you. Like, I surrender everything that I am and everything that I was, and I choose to know you. 
Um, and so I started walking discipleship and started getting discipled in the ways of the spirit and the ways of God. Um, so I started hearing his voice. And the first thing he said to me is, Lauren, I love you. Like, I think you're so cool. And I'm so happy that you're here and that you're alive. Um, and hearing the voice of God just brought a part of me alive. And then I went on this, uh, churchwide mission trip for spring break and it's called the awakened trip. And we call it that because, we just believe that people's hearts will be awakened to the Holy Spirit and to the works of God. And that week I was there and I was like, okay, I felt like I was dipping my toe into the things of the Spirit, like him, him moving in healings and him um, speaking to people still and prophesying and all the works of the Spirit. And that week I saw like 10 people healed, like shoulders were snapped back into place and people were starting to walk and the deaf were hearing and people were speaking. And it was just one of those weeks where I was like, okay, like, this is the goodness of God. Like, this is the inheritance of the spirit. Like, we weren't just made to accept Jesus and read our Bibles. Like, we were made to walk in the inheritance that we were given. Um, and so as I started doing that, at the end of the week, someone, uh, a group of believers came up to pray for me, and I just felt fire going through my entire body. And I was, like, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I started speaking in tongues and um, started prophesying over all these people, and it was super cool. And I just say that before I was walking in the fullness of the spirit and understanding who he was, my world was black and white in religion. Like it was just fine. It was kind of bland. Um, but when I started walking with the Holy Spirit and with God, it's like my world is filled with color again. Like it is amazing. And, um, I haven't done it perfectly, but as I've learned to walk in discipleship and in community, like it's the best thing that I've ever decided. And so, yeah, if you have any questions, I'm around the church a lot, and so you can come uh, find me. Yeah, I would just say, I, I think, I, I don't think I have to tell you that this this uh, young lady exudes joy. Yeah. And um, just to see her interact with our young people uh, and their parents, um, there is an exclamation point on her faith, right? And so I would just... Um, I would just say, well, you know, let me ask you the question. What would you say to someone who says, man, how, what do I do? Where, 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 do, I, where do I go? Where, what's, how, how, do I, how do I lay hold of this, this ceiling, this, this spirit, whatever you want to call it, baptism, filling, whatever it is, what, what should I do? Yeah, I think, like, first and foremost, Jesus cares about, like, our inward heart. Um, he doesn't necessarily, like, care about, like, the actions that we're doing. And so I would say just, you know, we live in the most be- one of the most beautiful places in the world. Like, if you can't go outside, grab a journal. Just ask God, like, God, what do you think of me? And, like, what do you love about me? And just start dialoguing with God. Um, and then I would say discipleship is, like, one of the biggest catalysts in my life in walking with other believers. And the laying on of hands, like Acts talks about. Um, and, yeah, the Holy, the Holy Spirit loves to give good gifts and loves come to on. come. Like, come he... On. Like, you don't have to force it. Like, he will show up in his own way, and he speaks to everyone so differently. So final thing, I could ask you a lot of questions, but um, what about before you, you, you part of your transition was, was you know, you kind of, you got the best Christian award, you know, but then you said you started to hear the voice of God. Mm-hmm. So just, just maybe real quickly, what's that, what happened there? Were you not hearing the voice before or what, when you say you started hearing the voice of God, it became personal. What, what does that look like? Yeah, I would say I just grew up in a denomination where, like, the only way God speaks is through uh, the Bible, which he 100% speaks through the Bible. He loves to speak through it. But I also believe that he 
through the Holy Spirit, like, can speak to our hearts and still is active in speaking to us today through the gifts of prophecy and through um, us ourselves hearing the Holy Spirit. And so um, I think it was just something that I was never discipled into. And so one of my mentors named Sarah Grace took me to, uh, like, our BSM center one day, and she, like, pulled out her Bible in the middle of the day, like, at college and just started reading. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I was like, wow. people are around. Yeah, yeah. Um, just because I had never seen someone, like, that hungry for God. And she's like, well, like, I will, like he's my best friend. Mm-hmm. And I was like, tell me more. Mm-hmm. And so as I sat there with her that day, she was just like, uh, I believe God speaks. And, like, sometimes it's through scripture and sometimes it's, like, just like a thought in our head. And so she was like, um, sit down. And then she was like, okay, read this scripture, and then we're going to ask God what he says about it. So we read Romans 8, and it was like, God, what are you saying? He's like, you're not an orphan. Like, you're adopted into the family. And so it just takes time. But I would, if you're like, how do I hear God? I say just like, go sit down somewhere and pull out your journal and just write that question down. Like, God, what do you say about me? And typically the first thought that pops in your head, I would say just write it down in faith that that's God, and then test in scripture and test it with community. Um, And that's changed my world. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And folks, I I just think part of this is just simple. It's just asking God. It's pleading, Lord, just Holy Spirit, more of you, right? Reveal to me. Um, So I know Lauren would be love to pray with you, talk with you, share more of her story. But thank you very much for sharing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's good. And gang, I I just say we need to have time where we give testimony. We talk about our faith. We talk about what Jesus is doing in our life. That's what Jesus asks us to do. You don't have to be a great theologian. You don't have all the answers by any means. None of us do. But it's just sharing the joy, right, and nurturing that. And so I just ask you to, um, oh, do we want to do less? Yeah, we got one more. Let's do it real quick here. This will be great. Go over there. Are you going to come up here? Lois, come on. Lois, come on up. Yeah, come on up. Can't wait for you all to hear Lois' testimony. Awesome. If you haven't met Lois, guys, you've got to get to know her. Um, amazing woman and amazing testimony. There's so much more than what she's going to share this morning that we just, we just encourage you to get with her, you know, over time. But she's got so much more to share than what she's going to share right now. But if you would, just, just share what the uh, Lord did, has done recently. Okay. Um, um, I don't know. <laughs> you no, that's okay. On. Okay. Okay. Uh, wow. Uh, I think it was a year and a month ago, or something like that, or three months ago. Uh, I was baptized in uh, uh, the water, or in, in that's that the Smith Pool. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> what is that park? I don't know what the name of it. Yeah. It was a river. Yeah, a river park. It park. And anyway, um, um, uh, when the when he asked me to come down and stick my toe in the water, I thought, well, I can't get it in there because there's rocks in there. And so I moved it over a little bit, and I put my foot in, wow, that's cold. And immediately it came over me, a, a, a warm feeling all the way up to the top of my head. I had no idea what that was. And I went, oh, my gosh. And uh, so they did me, and I came back out, and I got, wow. And, near, and they, but I don't know, maybe six months later, I went, I went, wow, that was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so I tell you, just because you don't know at the time, think about it, and you go, oh, wow, he did. He was there. He was there. 
warming me up for that water. It was wonderful and blessing me. And I thought, wow, wonderful. So that was my wonderful moment. And uh, I've had a few other things happen to me, but some of them were really small. You, You think that maybe that's not important, but it is. You just, you get thoughts. I ask them, okay, where are my gloves? And I'm amazingly enough, they'll show me where they are. It gives me a thought where they are. And I go, wow, here they are. Because I've looked all over for them. I couldn't find them. Finally, I said, okay, Lorraine, I need your help now. I need to find a glass. And I thought, well, that's silly, but but it worked. So, you know, so there it was. So anything you, time you think you're not hearing, think about it for a minute and think really hard. He's there. He is there. He's there for you. Amen. Amen. Give our hand. Yeah. And so much more. I mean, the, the Lord has, has just awakened her in so many ways and, and so much healing going on there, too, in her life. I just encourage you to get with her. But, um, bro, you want to close this out? Y'all come on up. Uh, man, we're, we're kind of done here, folks. Let's just let those, um, let me just pray for us. And, um, and oh, God, we're, come on and close us out in prayer. And then we'll be done, folks. Come to the table. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.